Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Paige Demakos, Jake Arians, and Jamie Eisner. And man, oh man, it's a Friday, and there is a lot to talk about in the NFL because Thursday night's fo- Thursday night football was not entertaining from a football perspective necessarily, but there was something that happened in the last 12 seconds of the game, the last play of the game really, and it's never happened like this before, right? And that is what happened with Miles Garrett and Mason Rudolph and and Pouncey and the and the team and I I, I got to be honest with you guys. I'm on a plane, right? And I'm watching. I'm watching this live on because Southwest gives you the ability to to watch live TV, right? So I'm watching the game, and I watched that play live, and I literally swore so loud <laughs> at the front of the plane, and I felt so bad because I think I scared the living daylights out of a lot of people. But my reaction was so genuine to. I cannot believe what I saw. Right? That was genuinely my reaction to that, mostly because. Miles Garrett's reaction has never happened in that capacity before. He's very I was I was taken aback by the fact that my that was Miles Garrett's reaction. What was Jake, I'll go to you first. What was your reaction last night to seeing that play? Because Miles Garrett doesn't have a reputation that warrants what happened last night. No, I mean what he said in the locker room, I agree with. It's out of character for him, but it was the most egregious act of non-football violence that we've ever seen on a football field. It can't be compared to Albert Hainsworth. It can't be compared to Vontez Perfect. It can't be compared to any other fights. If you go back in the day when these things have happened, and I mean going way back in the day, uh, Miles Garrett is leading the NFL in penalties, late hits on the quarterback, but they're not dirty plays, and he's not a dirty player. He's not known as being that. But for him to go this far, to rip a quarterback, any player's helmet off, and hit him with it, but a quarterback. And then for anybody to blame Marquise Pouncey for what he did, did he take it too far, kicking him, punching him out? Yeah, but you got to do that 100 times out of 100, or you lose all credibility in your city, in your locker room, in your organization, if you're not the one going a little too far to have your quarterbacks back in that situation. The whole thing was absolutely absurd. And the only good thing that comes out of this is we all stopped talking about Colin Kaepernick's workout on Saturday. <laughs> I had a feeling that was going to be where you headed. Jamie, what was your reaction to last night? Because I know, obviously, we were we were texting right away as it was happening. And, and there was, you know, there's a lot of blame to go around, right? Like, Mason Rudolph is not without blame. Uh, you know, there's things that are happening in that play. But that reaction from Miles Garrett was very out of character. And I'm interested to hear what your reaction was. You know, so I'm watching it. And at that point, I'm debating whether she just turn it off and go in the other room. I mean, game's over. Yeah. I really want to watch the last waning seconds of a game where teams aren't trying. It was a truly holy shit moment. I, I mean, yeah. I, I couldn't believe what I was watching. 
I mean, the last time I could even remember something even close to that, and, and again, it wasn't the helmet wasn't swung as violently as it was in this case and with the intentions, but was when Antonio Smith ripped off Vichy Incognito's helmet a few yeah. years back. And it kind of like lightly brushed it toward him, toward more like his chest. Uh, that was like the last time I remember seeing that. Uh, to me, it's I, I saw a lot of reaction on social media, and, and there's obviously there will be people out there that want to be contrarian to everything. Like they they just mm-hmm. don't care. But one, there's a striking number of people that have no idea how heavy a football helmet is and probably hasn't picked one up in a long time. Uh, we are, yeah, we are extremely fortunate. He got hit with like the bumper of the, of the helmet and not the top of the helmet. Or this could have been a really, really bad scene. I don't think people understand. It's like it's the equivalent of hitting somebody in the head with a brick. Like this is not like I, I don't I, the, the reaction that all because just because Mason Rudolph didn't get seriously hurt doesn't mean this wasn't a serious problem. Uh, I can it, promise you, he has a serious headache today. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like it, at the moment with adrenaline, he, it didn't hurt that bad. You're exactly right where it hit him, but he has a headache today. I promise you, he had a big bruise on his head. I mean, oh, you're absolutely. exactly right on the the weight of a football helmet. Yeah, I mean, he absolutely does. And and for those like. Max Kellerman today on first take, which again, I hate giving these guys the attention that they so desperately want by being contrarian, but uh, you know, blaming Mason Rudolph. Look, even if you want to say Mason Rudolph was trying to take off Garrett's helmet, which we don't know, it's a speculation. That's like saying if somebody comes up with you a bar fight and pushes you on the shoulder and you take a brick and hit them over the head with it, you're still wrong. <laughs> Yes. I'm sorry. You're yeah. still wrong. You're still the one that's going to get arrested there. All right. Like, let, let's react. Let's calm down with this false equivalency BS that I've been seeing today. It's just, it's ridiculous. Yeah. You're, you're spot on, James, right? Like the false equivalency. I saw a lot of that on social media last night. And, and I think you have to understand one, I know for a fact, a lot of the people I was seeing have never touched a football helmet, an NFL helmet, right? And you have no idea what that's like to hold on to and how that can be used to hurt people, right? And that is why I used the terminology very specifically last night when I tweeted out the video. That is assault. If you are on the street, it is assault with a deadly weapon. That is what happened from Miles Garrett to Mason Rudolph. And I understand it's on a football field, and I understand it's different. But you take the football field out of the equation, and you talk about these guys like who they are. They are human beings. If that happens in any other scenario, Miles Garrett is in jail. Period. End of sentence. And I know that it's on a football field, and I know that it's reactionary, but the behavior is intolerable. And the league cannot have this as a focal point for the next 48 hours. And it's going to be. This is what everyone's going to be talking about. They tried to put this, and Jamie said it to us last night in our text message, right? This is not what the league wanted everybody to be talking about, right? Like, the league was trying to do this whole thing with Colin Kaepernick, and now... This is going to overshadow all of that all weekend long because this is a, the only time I've ever had a reaction genuinely like this. And I know it's different sport and I know it's a different situation, but the only time I ever watched something and had the reaction I had last night was the malice in the palace. That's the only time I've ever had the reaction, right? And I totally know they're different situations, but last night watching that happen was, like Jamie said, a holy shit moment. Like I, I truly could not believe what I was watching. That was my that was my reaction. Yeah, it was I, more egregious than the malice in the palace or anything else that's happened in sports that I can remember. Yeah, and, I mean, and other, Joe Buck said like it in the some, podcast. Some crazy yeah. soccer fans getting trampled from like brawls in like other countries in Brazil and stuff. But even that's like fans getting in like big fights in the stands all the time. You're talking about the guys on the field. Mm-hmm. 
I so mean, he's, look, he's going to yeah. get the equivalent of football jail. I mean, that, that's what's coming. And it's coming, and that's, coming quickly. But here's the problem I'm going to have with this. I'm telling you right now I'm going to have a problem with it because the NFL always screws this up. Marquise Pouncey is probably going to get at least two games. If Miles Garrett only gets four, you're telling me what Marquise Pouncey did was half as egregious as what Miles Garrett did? Guys get yeah. scuffles all the time. Save me the Mason Rudolph started this crap. He got hit two seconds after he let go of the ball, got drugged to the ground, got rolled up on with no time left on the clock. Like that would the whole the quarterback getting hit at all on that play, if you go back and watch it, was completely unnecessary. 100%. Miles Garrett didn't have to rush the quarterback that hard on that play. The game was over. It didn't matter what happened. So to, to be pissed off, I'd be pissed off if I was making a roof. I got hit like that. After I just threw a screen pass with no time left down 14, it doesn't matter. So say, save me that he was trying to rip his helmet off and that, that that's, that's what started this. No, it's, it's, that's BS. And what Marquise Pouncey did, like I said, 100 times out of 100, and I know Marquise Pouncey. I know his brother. Dude is a dog, and he's one of the most respected guys. And, and I say that with all due respect and honor that that comes with for an offensive lineman in the locker room. He, that dude is, has more respect for being a man and a man that has your back in that locker room than anybody else in that locker room. There's not one person in that organization or locker room that had a problem with what he did. If he gets even close to the suspension Miles Garrett gets, it's going to be an absolute travesty. And the NFL always screws this up. And that's kind of the bigger picture here, right? Because if you step back and you watch the whole from the very beginning, and I've watched this play, i got to admit, at least 25 times from when the ball gets snapped to the end of the this whole incident. This What Miles Garrett did started – before that, right? It started with the excessive hit. They're up 14. The game is over, right? So it starts there, that frustration. And and listen, I get it. You guys haven't beat Pittsburgh in what, five years? It, it's been a long time. You're, you're upset this season hasn't gone well. But he takes it out early. And I understand Mason Rudolph, like I said earlier, like he starts potentially trying to mess with Miles Garrett. But that's after he's already been hit with excessive force, pushed his head into the ground, right? You're kind of watching this whole play, and I, I knew something bad was going to happen right from there. I didn't know it would end the way it did. But I'm with you, Jake. I I, I don't think Miles Garrett should play football for the rest of the season. That's, that's where I stand. I, I don't think he should. There's six games left, right? I just – I don't understand how after you watched what happened last night that – giving Pouncey two or, and I'm, you know, obviously speculating and, and he gets four, you know, I just, I don't see a reason why Miles Garrett should be playing football again this season. I really think what happened was a, a very serious, serious thing and needs to be treated as such. Yeah. There's, there's the one other guy here and I can't think of his name, the defensive tackle for the Browns that pushes Ogajobi. Rudolph back to the, yeah, Ogajobi that pushes Rudolph back to the ground after he loses his helmet. I mean, he shoved him to the ground and stood there. But he's not without culpability here, too. I mean, he's got to get something. And don't be surprised if Mason Rudolph gets a suspension out of this, which is an absolute freaking travesty, too. But the NFL seems to always screw this up from a PR standpoint. And they better get this one right. Anybody remember what Albert Hainsworth got? Was it six games? I think it was five. I think it was five. Yeah. This is – like the only other one I can remember was Kyle Turley ripping off somebody's helmet, but he just launched it like 40 yards. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It wasn't towards anybody. But he got, like, at least two games for that. I mean, this is – you hate to compare domestic violence or some of the other stuff, the, the Ray Rice suspension, some of the things that have happened. But this has to be that bad or worse that it happened on the field. If the NFL yeah. is going to suspend you for stuff that you did off the field, that the justice system should be taking the lead on, 
This happened on the field on national TV with two days to go to the rest of the games with everybody else to talk about. They, they have to come down with an iron fist, period. Absolutely. And look, we, we've talked a lot about how the NFL has bungled a lot of these uh, off-the-field yeah. incident things. It doesn't mean that they can they should bungle this one too. They have to fix both of them, to be honest. But um, if it were me, uh, and I checked my bank account this morning and I found, found out that I am not Roger Goodell, I agree that Garrett should be gone for the rest of the season. You probably have to give Pouncey a game. Uh, you got to give him two because there's no way they're going to let him play the Browns in two weeks. That's true. That's the other part Browns of this game. whole story is they play again in two weeks. Yeah. And that, and then, that is all going to be taken into account, right? And then Ogajobi and Rudolph get fines. Like that, I think that would be – I think that's fair for, for everybody involved. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I, I don't know that I'm okay with Mason Rudolph getting anything. I really, I really I'm, I don't know that I'm okay with him even getting fined in this situation. I mean, I, you guys got to think. My history is – I had people mm-hmm. tweeting at me last night. You don't know the history of the rivalry. You, oh, that's funny. <laughs> the, the playoff game that they kept showing the, with Kelly Holcomb throwing for 400 in the snow and losing. My dad was the offense coordinator of the Browns the last time they went to the playoffs. He then went to the Steelers for nine years for three Super Bowl. I think if anybody knows this rivalry, it's, I know this rivalry. I get what it means to beat them. But like, I, I don't. with all that being said, I'm not okay if Mason Rudolph gets fined or anything in this situation. I've been pissed. Any? Can you imagine that you, you use Tom Brady as an example? Can you imagine any other legit starting quarterback that's not a backup, whatever, this happening to, and them not doing something, being drugged oh, yeah. to the ground and rolled up on with five seconds left or whatever it was? They'd all be pissed. They'd all be pushing and shoving, you know, in a scrum. That's all that Mason Rudolph did. Yeah. Yeah. It, what if it was on the it, other it, side? Yeah. If this is Aaron, listen, Aaron like Rodgers, Mahomes. Tom Brady, can you imagine? Jamie, say what, say what Reggie Raglan tweeted. I oh, yeah, Reggie Raglan tweeted this morning that if they did that to Pat, as and referring to Pat Mahomes, uh, we'd be canceling Christmas. Because <laughs> <Yeah. Aww. laughs> it'd be <laughs> on. Like, oh, my God. It's, listen, it's, you can't do stuff like that to the quarterback, right? Like, it doesn't matter that Mason Rudolph's the backup. And the only thing that I could think that whole time is, Oh my God! Can you imagine if this was Ben Roethlisberger, right? Just from a just from how how big and and massive Ben is, and what I would envision would have been his reaction had that happened to him, right? I, I couldn't help myself but go there. And then my other, as I as Jake mentioned, I tweeted out and I was like, "Listen, if this happens to Tom Brady, like Miles Garrett probably never sees a football field again." I truly believe that. I, no, I think- that's like that's like hitting POTUS, dude. There's snipers in the roof for for Tom Brady. <laughs> Like somebody's taking him out on the spot. There's no, there's no justice system at that point. Like somebody's sniping. No, it's 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 him or somebody from Boston because that's definitely not gonna would not have gone over well. Uh, the last thing I want to get to here about this whole situation is there's a lot of a lot of conversation we've had on this podcast about Freddie Kitchens and and handling this locker room and and whether or not last night's incident is uh is you know, more of an indication that he doesn't really have a hold on what is going on there because this is out of character for Miles Garrett. And and obviously I'm, I'm assuming you guys saw what Baker Mayfield said after the game. Good on Baker. Uh, he, I, I don't give me the BS that he needs to stand up for Miles Garrett. Nobody needs to stand up for Miles Garrett. That was not, I don't care who you are or what team you play for. Uh, Baker does not need to get up there and take Miles Garrett's back because there's nothing to justify there, right? No, you're exactly right, Paige. Like, he handled that with the class of a human being, not a teammate. So, save. yeah, I I agree. I'm glad you brought that up because it's a very valid point here, too. Nobody on his locker room had his back. 
and they shouldn't because it went way beyond having your brothers back in your locker room. And Baker is the face of that franchise, no matter how many other personalities are there. He was the guy that stood up there and handled it with class and with true disgust. Like you could see it in his face that he was disgusted of what happened. And he, he was also disgusted and pissed off that they just had a huge win that could potentially save their season. If you look at their schedule as garbage the rest of the way, they can still make a playoff run here. Yeah. A huge and, win, and nobody's going to talk so, about it because of everything else going on. Some breaking news, guys. The NFL has suspended Miles Garrett indefinitely from Tom yeah. Pelissaro at NFL Network. So it's an indefinite <clears throat> wow. suspension at the moment. Which means, okay, we'll suspend him indefinitely while we keep doing this, but we better get something out this morning. So I, at least there's that. Yeah. I, I'm not surprised to oh, see that I, happen. I, I, and there's been more added to it. At minimum, for the remainder of the regular season and postseason. Wow. wow. That's been added to it. So he's been suspended without pay. So they're giving themselves the right to do it but in, in, in the next year. Yes, but at least through the end of this year and the postseason. So he will not play again in 2019 at minimum. You know, guys, there's one other thing you need, we need to point out here. I mean, you're talking about a guy that doesn't get his due as the first pick of the over, overall in the draft. You're talking about a superstar that was – is he leading the NFL in sacks now after last night? Did he get one? He was like, what, one back or half a sack back. But you're talking about a guy, because he's unassuming and he's not on every commercial like his teammate, that he should be an absolute superstar of this game as the first overall pick that did this. This isn't just some dude role player. Like, this was the first overall pick. That if, you know what I mean? Like, equate, yeah, that no. to, equate that to all these quarterbacks that have been the first overall pick, like Baker and Kyler Murray. They're on every commercial, and you see them everywhere. They are the face of the franchise. It's just because he plays defense. He's not. But that, we'd be remiss without pointing that out, that this is a superstar and a giant key piece to this franchise uh, in this team. Like, th- there's a part of that, too, that makes this that much bigger of a deal. Couple other pieces of information too. Malquise Pouncey suspended three games and fined, and Larry Ogunjobi suspended one game and fined. And any other things that will come out will be fines. Okay. I told you that there's no way they're going to let Pouncey play against them in two weeks. And each and each organization has been fined a quarter of a million dollars. As it, as it should be, honestly. Like this is the rea- this is exactly uh, good on the NFL. Right, like I, I'm honestly, I'm always critical of them when they get things wrong. So I have to give them praise when they actually do something right. And this is exactly what I wanted to see. I did not want to see Miles Garrett playing football this year because what happened last night was completely unacceptable. And when you talk about how when you score a touchdown, you can't do anything that quote unquote incites violence. Well, guess what incites violence? Watching that happen on national TV. Right. Like that, that is not what the league needs as a poster child for what behavior looks like for everybody to watch. And that's where I looked at that and I go, this is so much bigger than just this moment. And and unfortunately, this is the stuff we're talking about instead of a huge victory for the Cleveland Browns, for their franchise, right, for their season. And I would like to react to that because we've given, you know, almost 20 minutes about this discussion and it, and it deems it, right? It's a huge thing that happened in the NFL. But before we get into the other games that are upcoming this weekend, I do want to talk about just the game specifically and what it meant. And Jake, I'll let you go first because to whoever told you that you don't understand this rivalry, clearly they don't know where your dads came from, right? (laughs) They don't know that he coached in Pittsburgh and Cleveland. So I know you know this rivalry well, and I know you know what it means that we talked about it jokingly, like Big Ben owns Ohio. Well, Big Ben's not there anymore. And this is a big victory for the Cleveland Browns at Baker Mayfield. I mean, I said when we, we picked the game, the only reason I'm taking the Steelers is because they're still the big brother until the Browns beat them 
and prove that they're not, I, I can't pick them. And they've given me no reason to pick. They did. They stepped up. And, you know, it's, it's like I always go back to this in this kind of situation we've talked about on the show before. You know, it's like you're 14 and your big brother's 16. And your big brother grew early and, and beat you your whole life. And then you got to 14, hit the weight room, and all of a sudden, big brother stopped growing. And you whoop his ass for the first time. That was this. They, they haven't hit him in the mouth. The Steelers have always been more physical. They've always figured out ways to win. Nick Chubb with a, a solid night, but with 27 carries. They just said, this is how we're going to grind this out. They hit him early with the, with the OBJ play. And they won the game. It was ugly. They didn't play great, but they played more physical. They wanted it more than the Steelers. It showed. And it's a huge win for Browns fans in this city. Like I said, they're, they're, they're down the stretch schedule. They got the Steelers again. They got the Bengals twice. They got the Dolphins. They, they could make a run at this. As bad as it's been, they could still make a run at this. Jamie, yeah, I mean, your react, yeah, Jamie, your reaction to last night, and more so, like, what is now we know that Miles Garrett is not going to be with the team, right? And that's obviously going to have a huge impact for this team moving forward. Do you still think they, after watching them last night, knowing that Miles Garrett is going to be gone, do you still think they can make a run here because they do have a favorable schedule? I do, and it's because, again, we've been talking about it on the show for weeks, and I, I kept bringing up the week 11 on, week 11 on, and I kept uh, the, pounding that point home. This was the start of it. You, you beat the Steelers in primetime here. You have a home game against the Dolphins in 10 days. Then you go at the Steelers. That's a big game. That's a primetime game. But then home against the Bengals at Arizona. Home Ravens is a tough one. And then you end the season at Cincinnati. I yeah, mean, but the you reality beat the brakes off the Ravens earlier in the season. That, that, you should be 5-1 and one in that stretch. 4-2 and two at worst. So there's, there's absolutely no reason you can't get to nine wins. And I think nine wins might be enough to sneak you into the playoff conversation. But – Again, no, there are no gimmies in the NFL, but they have an opportunity to do that. For me in this game, it was interesting to see that I don't think the Browns played all that well. I thought this was more about what the Steelers couldn't do in this game than what the, than what the Browns actually did. But I give them credit for coming out early on. They hit Kareem Hunt on that early play. Uh, they hit all Beckham for that almost touchdown to open the game that Baker runs in from the half-yard line. I mean, they got up early, and they were able to ball control and keep it away from them. The story of this game for me uh, is just that Mason Rudolph was bad. And I know that's going to get washed under the table because of the way the game ended. But he had a really horrid performance in this game. He had some two terrible interceptions in the fourth quarter, fourth in total. Uh, this was just a really bad game for him. And the Steelers got really banged up. Connor leaves this game early. Juju leaves this game early. Deontay Johnson leaves this game early. And a couple other guys on defense that left this game early. I mean, there was a laundry list of game-ending injuries for a lot of key players on this Steelers team. And you start to wonder going forward, like how long is Juju going to miss with that head injury? Connor's been in, I mean, Connor's been battling every injury known to man. Uh, and it looks like he re-aggravated that shoulder again in this game. If those guys are out, I mean, there's just going to be a talent problem for the Steelers going forward that even, even that organization might not be able to overcome. Yeah, they haven't been that good. They won four straight. Mason Rudolph's been really good. And I credited Randy Fickner for completely changing the offense with his dink and dunk, high completion percentage, run it, get a lot of third down uh, completions, keep the chains moving because the defense has been so good and opportunistic and get all these turnovers. But with all those guys you're talking about missing, they have no chance of being any good and finishing strong. It was a nice four-game run to get them back in the conversation, but a lot of it was fluky. Uh, you know, the other thing, I, Jamie, you hit the nail on the head with, with the Browns as well. Kareem Hunt. In this offense with Nick Chubb, 
I think makes Nick Chubb better, but they're almost using him as a slot guy. Yeah. Him and Chubb are in the backfield together, like lead blocking for each other. It is a really dangerous weapon that I think the Browns can go back to what I said early in the season. Give it to Chubb 25, 30 times a game like you did last year. Play action off of it. But now you have a huge mismatch with Kareem Hunt as, an, as a receiver in the game with Nick Chubb. I think you're going to see a lot of that moving forward from them. And now they got 10 days to kind of reevaluate, let all this settle down, get all this, this out of the way. And, and I want to talk, talk, touch on Paige's point, too, with Freddie Kitchens. I don't think Freddie has a lot of culpability here. I really don't. I mean, there's a fine line of getting your guys fired up to play. And, and Freddie said afterwards, he doesn't condone fighting, but he wants you to go as hard as you can while you're between the white lines while the whistle is – before the whistle's blown. Mm-hmm. I think he did a really good, good job after the game of handling it. I think he did a good job in-game talking to Mike Tomlin on the field. And, and there's a fine line of pushing your guys that far. I mean, Paige, you know Indomitian Sue. I've gotten to know him. Yep. Love the man. He's a gentle guy, but something sometimes in the game with adrenaline going, he snaps. And he's had some of the ugliest plays and known as a dirty player, and he's not. But he's done some really stupid stuff on the football field. I think this is one of those times where I'm sure we've all been that pissed off at some time in our life where you kind of lose your head. That happened about to Miles Garrett, which is out of character. But I, don't, I can't put any real culpability on Freddie here for like losing the locker room and all these personalities and stuff. Uh, I really like the way Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. handled it after the game. They went on on set and talked about the game, and they didn't really want to talk about all that stuff. And they were a little subdued for two guys that can be kind of loud and boisterous, you know. So yeah. I mean, I, I think all that comes from the top. I, I think Freddie handled it pretty well. So I didn't want to like j- just let that to go because uh, it was a really good question, and it's something that definitely is being brought up. Yeah, it's being brought up, and and I did want because I've been critical of of Freddie and his coaching, and I think this is a moment of time to really give him some credit because there is that moment, mostly with Baker, where Baker's getting interviewed by Aaron Andrews literally forty five seconds, sixty a minute after this whole you know obviously there it calms down but right after the game's over on the field and his reaction was really strong and I think it was exactly what I wanted it to be and I have to give Freddie a little credit for you know just making sure that this locker room didn't react in a certain way because the messaging does come from the top right and the fact that I've been critical and 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 I saw people on social media kind of you know, blaming Freddie. Listen, you can blame Freddie for what the offense looks like in the red zone, not running the football enough. You know, some of those things that I think the play calling, yeah, you can blame him for some of that. But in this moment, the Browns, other than Miles Garrett, reacted in a good way, um, reacted exactly how I wanted them to. And, and good on Baker, good on Freddie. Uh, we'll see. Listen, there's a lot of football left this season. Whether or not this team looks the same, Going forward with that coaching staff, I'm I'm not quite sure yet, right? This is one game, and and then I am like Jamie. My reaction to that football game wasn't I wasn't overwhelmed by how the Browns played. I was just mostly underwhelmed with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And at a certain point, it's fourteen seven. It's still a really it, they go up fourteen nothing. It's fourteen seven, and it's still a game. And the only reason it's not a game is because half of the offensive playmakers for the Pittsburgh Steelers are injured in the second half and don't have the ability to play. So uh, I think, yes, the, the Browns get a big victory. Uh, we know what the rivalry means, but I'm, I'm still to be determined on what we're going to see from this, from this Browns team moving forward. And Pittsburgh, stay classy. You play them at home in two weeks. Yeah, don't, don't do anything don't stupid. Do stupid Steelers fans. Like, you understand that the win is the most – the biggest piece of revenge you can get is beating them on the field in two weeks at home. Like, yeah. it's because this the, the cities are two hours apart. 
it's there's going to be some ugly stuff going on in the stands there. So like that's something else to pay attention to. You you mentioned two pages. I mean I I don't I've been a sideline reporter and I wanted to get your take on like Aaron Andrews did a hell of a job mm-hmm. having to interview Baker after that melee. Yeah, she did. But like, she did. But to yeah, me, like, she... To, but to like being a woman on the sidelines puts you in some very weird situations sometimes, and that was one of them with a bunch of really big, hot-headed guys that you got. She didn't know how that's going to go. That could have been another Richard Sherman interview. Absolutely, for Baker handled mm-hmm. phenomenal. But like, I've been there and had to interview pissed off coaches for you know sideline reporting after games. But I can't m- imagine being her. I thought she did a phenomenal job with that interview. No, she did, and she gets criticized quite often um, for, you know, different things because she's a woman, right, in sports, so that's just kind of how it goes. She did a hell of a job. That's a, that's a hard interview to do, um, mostly because of what has happened in the past with Richard Sherman, right? And and don't tell me that wasn't a scary moment for her. It was. Um, anybody it's a scary moment that, for anybody. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's anybody who's that boisterous, upset, and loud – um, in your face it is intimidating. Doesn't matter if you're a woman or a man, but a sp- a specifically more so when you're a female. So I can tell you that I don't envy that she had to do that in that moment. I've been a sideline reporter. It's most of the time not a very fun job because nobody wants to talk to you. Um, and you got to ask questions that a producer's putting in your ear that you don't really want to ask, right? And the coaches uh, aren't always very nice. So was happy to happy to see Baker handle it with class and and not um, not cause a viral moment in a bad way. Right, because yeah. it could have been, and that's kind of what I anticipated uh, might happen. So that's a good thing to bring up, Jake. All right, let's get into these other games. We got a lot of good matchups here in Week Eleven. Uh, we'll start off with the New Orleans Saints going on the road to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Jamie, the Bucks are five and a half point dogs in this one, so the Saints getting five are five and a half point favorites on the road. Saints coming off a really bad loss, right? That was a terrible loss to the Atlanta Falcons last week. Uh, they know. To get home field advantage, they have to be looking around going, okay, there's a couple of teams up at the top here that can mess around and and steal, you know, the top of the NFC from us. Uh, what is your expectations going into this one, a divisional game, and, and a, hopefully for them, obviously, a bounce back? Uh, I expect this to be an extremely close football game. I, I don't think the loss of Marshawn Lattimore is being given enough credit for the, the ripple effect it has on this Saints defense. This Tampa Bay team has shown they could put up points with anybody, and they're going to put up points with everybody. Uh, I do not expect Mike Evans to put up a zero burger like he did last time. I expect a big game from Evans, big game from Godwin. Uh, the concern for the Saints here is going to be nobody runs on the Bucks, and the Saints aren't going to either. Uh, I'm not sure Kamara's fully 100% healthy there yet. Uh, he's obviously playing, and he played and got a ton of work last week, but he's still a little bit banged up. Uh, I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball very effectively. If they're not able to shut down Mike Evans like they did in that last game, I'm not I'm not so sure, especially on the road. I'm not so sure the Saints are going to be these world beaters. Breeze has struggled away from the Superdome uh, for the last few years. Um, I, I don't – I mean, I'm going to pick the Bucks to cover. I don't know if I'm going to pick them to win necessarily, but I think this is, a, this is a field goal game to win it. And I'm not so sure I'm in love with – aside from Michael Thomas, really anybody on the Saints offense going into this game, despite the matchup. Yeah, that's a great point, Jamie. I mean, with, with with Lattimore being out, and he shadowed Mike Evans, and and Mike admittedly had a bad game, and his effort level probably wasn't. I mean, he could have got some catches, but it it, it 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 warranted other people getting involved. If he's out, they can't play man like they want to. They're going to have to play two man, which is two deep safeties, man under, play some zone because they don't have the other guys to match up. 
which then opens you up to being able to run it. So one thing the Saints do really, really well, and they did great in the last matchup, was rush the quarterback with four guys and stop the run with four guys. If they have as much success with that, it's going to be tough for Tampa to, to really get going. But it'll be interesting with Lattimore. I mean, that's a huge piece. That's a great point, Jamie. I don't think enough people are making a, a big enough deal out of that as well or making a big enough deal out of I'm in Tampa. I, I, I've gotten to talk to a lot of people that watched the tape last week, and the Falcons didn't do anything special. They rushed the quarterback with three guys, got six sacks. They out-efforted the Saints. They went down there and played harder, both coming off of a bye. And that's basically all it was. And the NFL, that's, sometimes that's all it takes. So that, that's bad that you put on tape, that they didn't do anything special. They didn't catch you with some gadgets, some trick plays, some stuff they saw on tape. They just beat you. Raheem Morris going over to the defensive side actually made a difference, and the defense played a hell of a lot better. So, you know, that, that's, it's going to be an interesting one there, and a, a fun one I, I hope to watch. Yeah, I think it's going to be a close one. I'm with you, Jamie. I think the Bucks are going to cover that spread, and uh, I, you know, I think it's a field goal game. So hopefully, hopefully the Bucks kicking, uh, kicking can 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 be better in this moment and and can take care of business. It would be a obviously a very good victory for the Bucks. And listen, divisional games down the stretch, New Orleans on the road. We know this. New Orleans does this kind of – Jamie talked about it a little at the beginning of this week. They mess around towards the end of the season, and they've had a nice little stretch here, but we'll see as they get into these division games where it's usually closer than people expect. Uh, we will stay in that division. We will move on to the Atlanta Falcons going on the road to play the Carolina Panthers. Panthers are four-point favorites at home. Atlanta obviously coming off of what was, you know, the best game that they've played this season uh, and and the changes we talked about at length. Jake, I'll go to you first here. What do you see happening in, in this Carolina-Atlanta game? I, I think last week was a little bit of a fluke. I mean, when I heard it was an effort thing and it wasn't that they played that much better or changed what they'd been doing, I kind of went back to the Panthers always play hard. Christian McCaffrey's going to have a monster day. Kyle Allen's been solid. The receiving game has been better. Their defense is solid, and they're still leading the NFL in sacks, and they're rushing four guys to do it. They're going to get after Matt Ryan. The offensive line for the Falcons is still very weak. And last week, Julio and, and Calvin really didn't have big games. And I don't expect Brian Hill to have that monstrous of a game other than catching out of the backfield. So I'm going to go with the Panthers 34-24. I think they cover that, and I think the Panthers win is solid at home. Yeah, I agree. I think the Panthers win in cover here. I look, I know Matt Ryan is something like six has won six of his last seven against the Panthers or whatever, but th- this Falcons team is just not as talented as those other Falcons teams as currently constructed. You know, no Devonta Freeman in this game. You know, Ryan's playing, but he's still banged up. And if you kind of watched him play, I mean, not that he's super mobile, but he's usually pretty fluid in the pocket. And you can see that ankle is really, really bothering him because he's kind of very almost straight up and down robotic the way he was moving around the pocket and against the Saints last week. Uh, and I think he's going to have a lot more trouble against Carolina this week. I like Brian Hill from a fantasy perspective. I think he's an RB2 this week. So if you, you spend a lot of fab budget on him, you can put him in your lineup. Uh, the Panthers have actually allowed a stupid amount of fantasy points to running backs this year. So it, it's kind of counterintuitive from what you've been kind of seeing you know, with your eyes. Obviously, McCaffrey's a stud. Uh, I really like the Carolina receivers in this game. I think DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel are both must-starts. I think they could have a really strong performance here. If you're in a deep league uh, and you're desperate in a single quarterback league, I don't hate playing Kyle Allen. Uh, I think I have him ranked as my 13th quarterback this week. Uh, again, you need to be in some, you know, a little bit of desperation mode, but I'm not buying what the Falcons defense did last week against Drew Brees. I'm going to write that off as a complete anomaly before that, they had given up 19 passing touchdowns in the eight games prior to that. Uh, I'm just going to kind of write off what happened last week and pick it as if it never happened. 
Yeah, that's probably the way to do it because uh, you've seen a lot more of Atlanta and who they really are versus, I think, what was one game last week. Uh, all right, more divisional games. The Jacksonville Jaguars going on the road to play the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts coming off a tough loss last week. They are the standard three-point favorite at home. Jamie, I'll let you take this one first. What do you see happening in this one? Uh, the Nick Foles show starts again. So we'll see <laughs> what, what happens here. So Nick Foles and Brian Hoyer. Uh I'm going to lean to the Jags here, and I don't like it, but I'm just – this Colts team is just so banged up right now on offense, and Brian Hoyer's really nothing special. He really isn't. T.Y.'s going to miss this game. I mean, Marlon Mack's been good, but he hasn't been great, and that's been a little disappointing. I really thought the way he ran toward the end of last season, he was going to really take a big step forward this year. Again, a lot of that could be the difference of, again, if you had Andrew Luck running this offense, you've had T.Y. healthy all season, things might have looked different for his opportunities as well, and I understand that. But uh, as currently constructed, uh, I just don't think the Colts have a ton of firepower in this game. And Foles might throw it to you a few times, but he also might have a couple spectacular plays too. So I think the Jags can lean on Fournette and do enough in this game to get the victory. Uh, I am – Curious to see how the wide receivers are used because, again, we have seen all of one quarter of action from Nick Foles in, Jack, in a Jacksonville uniform. You know, we threw a, a touchdown to DJ Chark on the play. He got hurt. We heard all preseason all the chemistry he had with D.D. Westbrook. I kind of want to see how the receivers play out in this game for Jacksonville. And on the Colts side, you're probably after last week, you're not starting Pascal or Rodgers. I still think Ebron and Doyle are pretty strong plays if you need help at the tight end position. Yeah, I got the Jags 28-24. I think they get it done, too. I mean, and I think that's a great point, Jamie, is this Jaguars receiving core has been sneaky solid, but it's kind of been different guys. And it'd be interesting to see who Foles has chemistry with, when obviously Minshew and DJ Chark had some chemistry. D.D. Westbrook had some solid games, and Conley really played well throughout that stretch, too. I think they have too much firepower. They're healthy, and that the Jacksonville defense is still pretty freaking good. Uh, and Indy has been – every game they've played has been really close, and they won a lot of them, but they still have giant kicking issues, too. Uh, I'm going to go with Jacksonville to get it done. Kicking issues and, and some continued injury issues, obviously, with Jacoby Brissett now out in another game. It's going to be, let's see what we get from Nick Foles, right? We've seen some magic towards the end of the season in him uh, from previous roles. So I'll be, I got quite a few questions about whether or not to start him in fantasy going into this week. I think you need to probably probably pump the brakes and wait to see what, uh, hopefully you have a better option. And I know some people are forced into playing him with buys, but we shall see what we get from, uh, from Nick Foles. All right, the Denver Broncos going on the road to play the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings are a huge favorite in this one. They're a 10-point favorite at home. They have really gotten things going lately, uh, especially just taking care of business last week against, that was, you know, what I would say a signature victory for Nick, for for Kirk Cousins, especially on the road in prime time. Jake, you've been driving the bandwagon. You've you've jumped off. You've jumped back on. You've been on for the past couple of weeks. What do you think is going to happen here for the Minnesota Vikings? Technically, I never jumped off. I just said I got drugged behind the train for a little while. I, got, <laughs> I, I, I like pulled Indiana Jones and climbed my way back on. I got the Vikings winning 30-16. to 16. I think they covered the 10. Uh, it's not a good matchup anyway all the way around for, for Denver, other than I think Cortland Sutton probably has a solid day. Uh, the Denver defense has been really good, but number one receivers – or number two receivers have, have had solid days. Um, I, th- I think he probably has a solid day depending on who, who the quarterback is and how he plays and whatever else is going on. But I think the Vikings roll and I think the offense gets going. I think Dalvin Cook has another monster day. 
Yeah, I do too. Uh, I think that the Vikings win. They cover this uh, big day for Dalvin Cook, who pr- should be a top three running back uh, when it's all said and done for the week. Uh, interesting, if, if they start to blow him out, that's when you start to see a lot of Alexander Madison. So if you're in a really deep league and you think this is going to be a blowout, you might want to throw him into a, uh, like a second flex spot for you because they have been using him pretty heavily in games where they get up big for obvious reasons. Uh, I mean, like, look, Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, they're kind of flex plays. You don't love them. They're not going to feel great about starting them. Quillen Sutton will probably do enough to be, a, you know, a worthwhile low-end wide receiver two, wide receiver three, but that's about it. And who the hell knows what Stephon Diggs is going to do? I'm, I'm done predicting what Stephon Diggs is going to actually do in these games. He's ranked as a low-end wide receiver two. It's probably where he's going to be every single week. And who knows? You're either going to get a 25-point performance or a five-point performance, and I, I, hell if I know what it's going to be on any given week. Yeah, it's uh, good luck trying to predict what's going to happen there for him. Uh, yeah, I think, as Jamie said, done predicting where he's going to end up. All right, the New York Jets going on the road to play the Washington Redskins. The Redskins, are a, the Redskins are a favorite in this game. What? Uh, Two-and-a-half-point favorite at home, uh, which is kind of surprising coming off the fact that Sam Darnold had a pretty good game last week and the fact that the Washington Redskins are in contention for the worst team in football with the Cincinnati Bengals. So the Redskins, guys, two-and-a-half-point favorites at home. What are your thoughts on this one? I'll let Jamie take it first. That if Case Keenum was playing, I'd pick the Redskins to win and cover, but he's not, so I'm going to go with the Jets here. Uh, Look, Darnold's been bad on the road for his – short career, but he hasn't been as bad as Dwayne Haskins has been this season. Uh, so I think this is a little bit of an overreaction there. Uh, I expect Darius Geist to have some sort of role, but he's not a difference maker right now, and especially not for the 12 touches at max he might get in this football game. Uh, look, the, the, the Jets have been playing a little bit better fantasy-wise lately. Jamison Crowder is an every-week start. I think Demarius Thomas is like a wide receiver for uh, low-end flex play this week, somebody you can consider. Uh, from the Redskins side of things, I don't hate starting Adrian Peterson, but like, it's not great. I mean, the Jets run defense actually been surprisingly good this year. It's like the number two, uh, run defense in the NFL in terms of yards per game, but they give up enough through the air that you might be able to get, they might be able to get in close and give Adrian Peterson some, some red zone runs there. Uh, Terry McLaren, uh, has been terrible with Dwayne Haskins, but has an awesome matchup. So I'm going to try to like even that out and say he's probably like a wide receiver three this week. Uh, but that was tough. It, I don't know what to do because he's been bad with Haskins. But I've got, I've got, I picked up McLaren because of the matchup, but I said I didn't like it down the stretch. But this one's good. But it's Haskins, and I got Calvin Ridley too. And I'm like, Ridley's so much safer, but hasn't he's disappointed as well? And yeah. every time I go back and look, freaking scary Terry puts up at least ten points. Man, he's turned into a really solid receiver. But I agree with you, Haskins is he's terrible. It's dragging the whole team down. It really is. Like, I mean, this is this is the lowest total of the weekend, I believe, if, as I checked it. At thirty-eight is the total for this game. Uh, this is ugh, this is ugly football. I'm going to go with the Jets to cover, but and win this game. But yikes! Yeah, I agree. I got the Jets twenty-four twenty for everything you said. I mean, look, the, the best player on the field is Jamal Adams, and I think he has a big. I think he has a big day. He he has not with all the stuff he's been going through. His effort level has been paramountly high period every week like he gives as much effort as anybody on every week and I think he makes enough plays himself to to win this game uh with Haskins playing so I'll go with the Jets 24-20 and he's not a Leonard Fournette fan 
I was going to say, speaking of Jamal Adams, <laughs> you want to read the tweet that happened earlier, Jamie? Because, uh, man, yes. oh, man, I am so entertained by the NFL dipping into the NBA level of drama during the season where we have players tweeting at each other. So please read what Jamal Adams tweeted earlier. So this got lost in all of, understandably, in all of the Steelers' uh, Brown stuff. But uh, Leonard Fournette tweeted out earlier this morning, Jamal ain't tell y'all off sophomore year in college they had a fight at Lance party and he was under the table hiding where that chip on your shoulder was then. And with like 18 laughing emojis and Jamal Adams quote tweets it and says, makes sense coming from the cat that quit on us and faked an injury with the uh, <laughs> sipping tea emojis. Oh my By God. By the way, I'm taking Jamal Adams a hundred out of a hundred in this matchup. <laughs> oh my a hundred out of a hundred. These two are going, uh, one of them has got a glass jaw and it ain't Jamal Adams. What did I say? Jake, do you have any thoughts on, on Leonard Fournette and missing? I, I, I have caught at his manhood a million times and I will take Jamal Adams in this matchup. <laughs> Looks like Jake uh, was probably right about a lot of the things he questioned about Leonard mm. Fournette because man, oh man, Jamal Adams calling him out on social media. Gotta love it. Uh, always, always entertaining all year round. Social media creates chaos for all of us and we get to react to it. So uh, I'm also taking Jamal Adams in that one. Uh, the Buffalo Bills going on the road in the division to play the Miami Dolphins. The Buffalo Bills are six and a half point favorites on the road. Miami on a little, little hot streak here. Two-game winning streak, and uh, Dolphins fans are pissed. They are mad. They do not want to win football games. I have seen all of the takes on social media, which has been very entertaining. Uh, Jake, your thoughts on on this one and whether or not Buffalo covers that spread. I got Buffalo 27-20. I think they do. I I just think they're that much better, and that defense is really solid. I think Josh Allen has a big day. And maybe running it and throwing it combined, but I think he has a solid day. And John Brown has been really sneaky I saw the stat, and I don't want to mess it up too bad, but I think he's one of three guys in the NFL that has 50 uh, receiving yards in every game. My him, Michael mm-hmm. Thomas, and maybe one other person. Uh, that, that's impressive. He's been sneaky good all year. Uh, I just think the Bills, who I'm not big fans of, but their extremely easy schedule continues. I just think they're that much better, and I think their defense really gets it done here. Singletary probably gets back into having a big day. Uh, but I, I like Josh Allen, and I, I think the, uh, the Bills get it done. I, I do as well, and I know there have been some people out there that have kind of – people I respect that have been big on, hey, t- take the Dolphins and the points in this game. I, I'm not one of them. This line's going in the wrong way. Like if this got over seven, I would consider it at seven and a half or eight, but now it, it's dropping like six and a half to six, and I, I don't really like it for Miami here. The Buffalo still has enough firepower uh, you know, with Singletary and Gore in the backfield. Uh, John Brown has been really good. He's actually my wide receiver 14 this week. I'm a big fan of what he can do. Uh, he's been so consistent. His floor is so high on a weekly basis. And I think this is the game where he maybe gets in the end zone one or two times and really gives you that boom game you've been waiting for. Uh, I mean, look, uh, Miami's going to be competitive in this game, but they're still a vastly inferior team to Buffalo, who's, again, overrated, but still a better team than Miami. Uh, Buffalo should be able to win this game by a touchdown. All right, the Houston Texans going on the road to play the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens have been rolling. Uh, took care of business last week against Cincinnati. Oh, man, it was an ugly game. Uh, this is a big one. Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, a lot to look forward to in this one. Jamie, I'll let you take it first. Does Baltimore cover that four-point spread? I think they do, and I feel pretty good about it. I, I still have a lot of concerns about Houston's defense, and I know they've been able to overcome a lot particularly because of Deshaun Watson and because they've actually been able to run the ball fairly effectively the last few weeks with Carlos Hyde, who's turned out to be a really strong addition for them thus far this season. But I just think the Ravens are better on both sides of the football. I think they can run the ball better. I think they could they can play defense better. 
They're they're not Lamar Jackson's not a better passer than Deshaun Watson, but he's just as good of a playmaker overall as Deshaun Watson is in this game. Uh, the, 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 I guess the, the concern for Baltimore is at some point do the lack of weapons come back to bite them, but they haven't so far, and they didn't really late last year either. So it's just more of a thing I think they need to work on in the off season. But you know, it looks like Hollywood Brown actually practiced in full today, which is I think is the first full practice he's done in weeks. Uh, so that's a, that's encouraging to see. I think it's going to be a really exciting game, a really fun game, a really offensive game. But I think the Ravens have enough to get it done. I will caution Mark Ingram owners that there's just still a lot of these games where they just don't use him very much, even though he, even when he's been effective. So kind of temper your expectations for him a bit because there's just a lot of these games where he's getting 10, 12 carries, and they're like, yeah, we're good. We're done. Yeah, I agree with Jamie. I got up the Ravens 30-24. to 24. I originally wrote down 30 to 23. I think they cover that. The Ravens secondary is getting healthy. And that Marcus Peters trade I talked about the other day really gives Marlon Humphreys aid on the other side of the field. Marlon Humphreys has been, been phenomenal this year, one of the best corners in football, one of the most physical corners in football. Uh, really weird, sneaky stat here. The Houston Texans defense, Romeo Cornell, has not given up a 100-yard rusher since 2017. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, that's exactly what I said. I was like, wow, i got to mention that. That's I think that changes this week. I don't know if it's Ingram. I don't know if, it, if it's Lamar Jackson. Uh, you go back to one of the best college football games I've ever watched to showcase quarterbacks in college, Louisville and Clemson a few years ago, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson. I think this in the NFL matchup has the, the capabilities of being that kind of highlight reel. I think it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun to watch. I just think the Ravens, like Jamie said, are more solid all the way around. I hope we get what we got during that college football game because, man, that was a fun one to watch. That would, that, this is uh, one of the premier matchups this weekend, definitely playing close attention to that one. All right, another divisional game. The Arizona Cardinals going on the road to play the San Francisco 49ers. The Niners coming off a overtime loss to the Seattle Seahawks. The Cardinals played this San Francisco team really tough here in Arizona. Uh, but listen, San Francisco knows that they took their first loss of the season. I'm assuming they want to make sure that doesn't happen again. Another divisional game. Ten and a half is a pretty big spread, though, going into Ooh. this one. Jake, do you think that the San Francisco 49ers will cover that ten and a half? I do not. I wrote down 30 to 21. I think they beat them more handily than they did the first time. Uh, but Kittle being out of this game is going to be a big deal. Jimmy G is going to have to play as good as he did the first time, which is by far his best game of the year. Um Brita being out, I mean, the 49ers are still a little limited on what they can do offensively and the people that they have to put in there. And the Cardinals' defense is sneaky good. I mean, Buda Baker is a really, really good player. Chandler Jones is right there at top of the league in sacks again. He's getting after the quarterback. They're going to have to play good to do it. I don't think they cover 10.5, but I think they beat him more handily than they did the first time. I, go back and watch. Like I, I said I liked what Ky- Kyler Murray in person watching that. I like Christian Kirk and Andy Isabella on the field together. But Kyler Murray misses a lot of wide-open guys. And you get a little pressure in his face, and he gives that back foot in the sails on him for being a short guy. And watching, going back and watching it again, it wasn't as impressive as I thought. There's a couple of big plays where they just ran by guys and hit the deep ball. But play to play, he still misses some wide open guys and has to get better with that stuff. And nobody rushes the passer better than San Francisco. So I think they beat him more handily than the first time, but I don't think they cover that. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree completely. I've, I've talked about this on the show before, that once you start to get to the Cardinals territory and they start to get the double digits is when I start to jump on board. Uh, look, the, the 49ers are going to be – actually, you know what? I'm, screw it. I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm going to lock this in for the Cardinals plus 10.5. Here's why. Ooh, I don't think they're going to win this game. But this is going to be close. The 49ers – look, Garoppolo does not look great. He had a great game against the Cardinals, but if you take that game out, 
he's been really blah for most of the season, and he was blah in that game last week. Uh, they have, again, one day short of rest here. They're going to be without their leading rusher in Matt Breida and their two leading wide receiver, or two leading receivers most likely in Emmanuel Sanders and George Kittle. That's going to be both a had big games last time. Yes, they did, and that's going to be a big factor. Sure, Tevin Coleman and Raheem Mostert will be okay. It would be fine in the backfield. They have Debo Samuel uh, that has started to come on a little bit lately, but they're running out of some weapons on that team. And, and I think when you face this Cardinals team that is able to put up points on anybody, especially late when they start to run this no huddle when they're down multiple scores. I don't see the, the Niners winning this game by two scores. They probably win this game, but I think this is a lot closer game than people are giving it credit for. Uh, I, I like the Cardinals plus, plus 10 and a half in this. Especially because of the injuries you mentioned, right, Jamie? I mean, especially that, that George Kittle injury really impacts this because if you've watched the Arizona Cardinals, the one position that has just gone off on them all season long is the tight end position. So being without George Kittle is going to impact this offense quite a bit. And Emmanuel Sanders, I imagine, will not play as well. I will so. say this too. Kenyon Drake will not have anywhere near the game that he had last time. No, he will not. It will no, not even, that, and that has nothing to do with David Johnson coming back or anything. It, it, it just won't happen. That was one of those fluky things that it just happened on national TV on 72 hours to get ready that they will not, they will not take that lightly. He will not have a big game. Yeah. I imagine that Kyle Shanahan and company will be dialed up a little bit more for Kenyon Drake uh, coming into this matchup than they were with, uh, you know, about 24 hours of actual preparation after that trade uh, to get ready for that game. The next game we're going to talk about here, New England re- re- rematch here from the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, New England Patriots going on the road to play the Philadelphia Eagles. The Patriots are four-point favorites on the road going into Philly. Uh, this should be a, a good one here. We get to see actually Carson Wentz and Tom Brady as we didn't see in that Super Bowl matchup. Jake, what do you expect to see here? Because, you know, New England, and we, we've questioned, obviously, Philadelphia. They've been all over the place this season. And New England obviously had a bye coming into this week. We know what Bill Belichick does with an extra week to prepare. They took a tough loss to the Baltimore Ravens. Do you expect them to cover that spread in Philly? I've got it 31-27, so I got it exactly on it. I think Philly probably scores late to get back in, but I – you, you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, Belichick with an extra week is like giving Nick Saban an extra week or, you know, getting 30 days to get ready for the national championship or something. Like, you just out X's and O's everybody they play. Now, Doug Peterson has had his number. They beat him in the Super Bowl. He's got a history of it. I think Tom Brady has a big day against this, this Philadelphia secondary. I don't think Carson Wentz has a big day. I think this Patriots defense is going to be ready for everything they're going to throw at him. You can run it on him. So, I think Jordan Howard could be interesting here. Miles Sanders out of the backfield, eh, probably not as much. Uh, I, I just it, It's hard to say, coming off a loss and a bye week, that the Patriots are going to go in there and lose. Yeah, I'm locking this in. Uh, I think the Patriots win this game by double digits. Uh, here's why. One, you're giving – I know both, guys, both teams are coming off of an extra week, but more importantly, Bill Belichick's coming off of an extra week. Uh, the number two problem, this just came across the wire, that Jordan Howard has not been cleared for contact as of, this, as of today. Because Ooh, that's big. All right, Darren Sproles, they just had to put out for the season. So you're going to walk in this game most likely with Miles Sanders and Boston Scott uh, as your two backs. Uh, and Miles Sanders, again, is, shows a lot of promise, but he hasn't been awesome between the tackles used as a straight running back this year. That's concerning because, like Jake said, you have been able to run it down New England's throat the last couple of weeks. But now that he might not play, that's really concerning. Alshon Jeffrey is banged up. Deshaun Jackson's out for the season. Where's Car- where are the playmakers on this Philadelphia offense? Where are you going to go? I, I can't imagine that Ertz and Goddard are just going to dominate these these guys. I can't imagine that you're going to see these huge games from Nelson Aguilar. Uh, it just I don't know where Philadelphia's weapons are 
New England's pissed off coming off of a loss in two weeks of hearing their coach tell them about how bad they lost on prime time. Uh, I think the Patriots come in here and roll a really banged up Eagles team. Yeah, I love that as a lock, Jamie. I think that's the the easiest lock is a is a close spread here with Bill Belichick an extra week to prepare and all the motivation coming off a national TV butt whooping that they took from the Baltimore Ravens. And you know Tom Brady, we talk about that manufacturing uh, what he needs to mentally to get himself to that point. This Philadelphia secondary is not very good, and I envision that Tom Brady is going to have a hell of a day and make sure that everybody is talking about him again as we go into the next week. Uh, The Cincinnati Bengals going on the road to play the Oakland Raiders. Another big point spread here. Cincinnati, as I said, I think on Monday's podcast, if you watch, for a while we joked about whether or not Cincinnati and Miami were tanking. If you were asking me if there was actually a football that was tanking, a team that was tanking, it looks like Cincinnati, right? They are just not a good football team. And they're going on the road to play the Oakland Raiders. Uh, Every game, every last game feels like a special moment for the Oakland Raiders at this point. Um, you saw what John Gruden did in their in their last, you know, primetime matchup that they had. This is still an afternoon game. Should be a good one for Oakland. Jamie, I'll let you go first. What do you see happening here? I mean, the double digit spreads a lot to ask for Oakland. Um, uh, but if I have to lean away, I think I'm going to lean that they cover here. Uh, I just like the way, what their offense has been doing lately. I think Derek Carter is a top 10 fantasy quarterback this week. Uh, I, I just, the Bengals haven't been able to stop anybody. Uh, I, I Predict a big game for Josh Jacobs here. Uh, maybe Tyrell Williams will get one of his three catches in the end zone in this game, so he'll have a decent game. Uh, they've been starting to use Renfro a little bit more, so I've been excited to see if maybybe he gets the opportunity uh, to kind of really, I mean, to really take advantage of the, the middle of the field in Cincinnati. Should be another big game for Darren Waller. On Cincinnati side of things, love Tyler Boyd in this matchup. I think he's going to go off. I'm really excited to see how he plays here against Oakland secondary. I want to see if Joe Mixon continues to get a similar amount of volume as he did last week. I mean, he got a ton of volume in a game they were never in, and they might be losing by double digits again in this game. I want to see if he continues to get that, those amount of carries so you can fantasy owners would like to start him, at least in a flex spot uh, in the fantasy playoffs. But, boy, uh, I'm, I'm going to lean toward the Raiders here, but I just I, I hate when middle-of-the-road teams get to be such huge favorites in these games. What's the line? 11 and a half. 11 and a half. I still got the Raiders to cover. I got 31-17. I think Josh Jacobs, as Jamie said, has a monster day. I would caution people on Tyler Boyd a little bit just because you still got a rookie in a second start playing quarterback. It's not Andy Dalton. And going back to Paige's point of them tanking, there's no reason Andy Dalton shouldn't be the quarterback of this team at, at all, other than the fact that you want to get a rookie that you drafted some some looks. But they did it so early in the season. like It made no sense to me to do it when they did it. Uh, so I caution you a little bit there on that. that anybody else, I would say yes, they're going to have a big day. But I'd caution it a little bit. Uh, but I think the Raiders get it done. They, they've been playing really good, man. Yes, they have. Yes, they have. And all of a sudden, you know, as in that division, Kansas City not – going away by any means losing a couple of games so it's not it's going to be a big matchup but we'll we'll preview on on monday but listen cincinnati is not out of reach for anybody at this point this could be a really quick game too i mean so going into that spread i mean if if the raiders are going to run it that much and mixon's going to get that many carries this game could go very fast like the clock clock so that that could be you might not get quite as many points scored i still think they cover that but that, that could affect the, you know, the over, like the over under, that kind of stuff in, in this game. Because if they're going to run it that much, this game's going to go fast. And you know, the Raiders are going to run and play action off of it. 
Yeah, the, the total right now, at least the one I saw, was forty-eight and a half. I kind of, I'd lean toward the under on that. I, I didn't want to lock it in, but I kind of, I kind of like the under. Yeah, I've got it at forty-eight, thirty-one, seventeen. So I, yeah, I would probably lean towards the under on that too, because at thirty-one, I don't, I don't know unless there's a bunch of turnovers. It, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a pretty fast game. Uh, before we get into the night game page, because they, they just put this line on the board, because Matthew Stafford has been ruled out um, for this Sunday's matchup. Uh, the Cowboys are seven-point favorites in Detroit. Just the Cowboys. Okay, so I was going to say Cowboys seven point favorites in Detroit. Let's talk about that one. Obviously, um, the Stafford stuff is is you know concerning and disappointing, and we know you know he's had injuries before, and we talked about you know them potentially obviously getting a fine for not <laughs> not releasing information on time, which you know that happens obviously, and it's happened in New England a lot, where Matt Patricia probably learned all that from. Uh, Cowboys coming off a very tough loss uh, in prime time. Had opportunities, so I expect that they will bounce back and take care of business here. Jamie, I'll let you take this one first. What do you see happening in that matchup? I expect they do as well. I just, again, you're wondering how how these injuries are going to affect Detroit. You're going with Jeff Driscoll. Ty Johnson may or may not play, and even that's not a great option in the backfield. Otherwise, you're going with Paul Perkins and J.D. McKissick. I just don't see if the only way the Cowboys lose this game is if they beat themselves. I just they are they are a vastly more talented and a vastly more healthy team right now, even on the road. I just cannot see a way unless just the Cowboys completely implode that they can't outscore this Detroit Lions team as banged up as they are. I mean, if you're if you're a Galladay or Marvin Jones owner, you're obviously starting them, but just temper your expectations for them for the week. Um, I think Zeke's a top three back this week. He should be able to feast. On a very poor, uh, poor Lions defense against fantasy running backs this year, Dak should have a pretty good game. Amari Cooper is a top five play. I mean, if you're not playing all your all your Dallas Cowboys in this game, I don't know what you're doing. Yeah, look, I got I had the Cowboys thirty one seventeen before I heard the line or and Stafford's official news, assuming he was out. I think they roll. They, they played a really good Vikings team the other night, and they didn't play bad. They made some bad coaching decisions late and went away from Dak, who had a lot of success, success in that game. Uh, I agree with Jamie. I think I think Zeke rolls. You know, I said that last week um, with, with that Lions defense, and it wasn't they, – they played the run a little bit better. But that, that's not this Cowboys offensive line. I think Zeke has a monster bad. I think they play action off of it. I agree with, with Jamie wholeheartedly. Start all your Cowboys. And don't feel good about starting any of your Lions, but you're going to have to for where you took them. Yeah. I'm um, Unfortunately, Marvin Jones, who's been a, a guy who I really have – liked playing a lot this year especially for where I got him uh and drafted him but it's you you gotta like Jamie said temper those expectations for those guys because you don't really know what you're gonna get from Jeff Driscoll uh as this is the second game we're gonna see him in all right Sunday night football seems like last year this was the game uh in Chicago if you guys remember it was about this time of the year right where the Rams were really going everything was it was a little bit later but the Rams really had it going on and they went into Chicago and got smacked in the mouth this time it is the Chicago Bears going on the road to play the LA Rams. Listen, the Rams coming off a bad loss, the Bears coming off a win in the division, still hanging on or thinking that they are. Jake, I'll let you go here. If if the Rams don't win this game, it's going to be disastrous in LA because that will all but solidify the fact that this season has been somewhat of a disaster. I think it could also also mark the downfall of years to come, but I think they do. I think the Bears are going to smack them in the mouth, and I think the Bears are going to continue to smack themselves in the mouth. I, I, I just, I'm going to go with the home team. I got 21-17. I think it's a defensive battle. I have no faith in Trubisky, who played better last week. I don't think Montgomery's going to have a big day running on this Rams defense. Now, while I think the Bears' defense has been awesome still with Chuck Pagano, 
you, they've given up some here and there, and I think there's going to be enough plays for the Rams to make. I don't feel great about this game, but I'm going to take the home team 21-17. What's the line on this? Six and a half. So you you got the Bears covering that spread then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that six and a half feels like a lot. That, that Bears defense is still legit, and you can run it a little bit. I mean, if Trubisky doesn't play like he had for the previous two weeks before last week, there's I, I feel pretty good about the Bears covering that. I think it's going to be a pretty close game. I think it's actually the only game Jake and I disagree on. Um, I'm going to go with the Rams to cover here. It, it's it's unfortunate the NFL has to put two bad quarterbacks here on primetime. It's a little bit disappointing yeah. to see. Uh, but it's uh, <laughs> look, here, here's my concern with the Bears beyond all the usual stuff. Montgomery's ankle is really bothering him. He's been banged up this week. If he's limited in any capacity, that's obviously going to affect their ability to run uh, on the Rams. Uh, because he, I'm not putting three Cohen between the tackle and uh, between the tackles. And who's their third string back there now? Is it uh, Ryan Nall? Like who? Who else? I don't even know who's left there after they cut uh, Mike Davis. But it's Ryan Nall. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean I that's. I mean, if he's getting significant touches in this game, I think that's a problem. Uh, if Jalen Ramsey shuts down uh, Allen Robinson, I don't know where else he's going to go. I, I kind of sneaky like in a super deep league Taylor Gabriel in this game. But I think if, if you put Mitchell Trubisky in a situation where they don't have an effective running game or as effective of a running game, and Allen Robinson's blanketed by Jalen Ramsey, I think that's a recipe for disaster for the Bears. I'm not expecting the Rams to light the world on fire, but I think they might be able to squeak out a touchdown victory and get this done. Cooper I think Khalil Mack could keep it close himself with this bad off Rams offensive line. Uh, he's gonna, that, that defense is going to look really good against this horrendously bad Rams offensive line. Listen, they looked really good against their good offensive line last year. So that's the one yeah. piece of piece of uh, that I can hang on to is is that last year with that great offensive line, the Bears defense destroyed this team and a great Todd Gurley and a great Jared Goff. And if they can keep it close, you know things things can happen, and it will be of a lot of Bears fans. I just came back from L.A., and let me just tell you, the entirety of LAX was full of Bears fans. Watching Look, there are a lot of Tampa Bay Buccaneer fans in L.A. I can't imagine how many Chicago Bear fans there's going to be in L.A. It, it, will be a, it will be very close to, if not 50-50, but significantly more Bears fans, just based off the fact that I was there on a Thursday night and the fans were all already there. Um, and there's just a lot of when, – when the Cubs are there, whenever, there's just a lot of – L.A. is a transplant place, just like Arizona, very similar to where we all live. There's a lot of people from the Midwest that have moved out there. So it'll be uh, – hopefully it'll be a good game. That last that last time they played on Sunday Night Football, it was uh, over early with the with the Bears taking care of business. So I'll hold on to my, my last bit of hope that that can happen again this that week. That was a great piece of fandom and terrible analysis, Paige. I love you. Yep. <laughs> I'm yeah. going to hold on to last year. That sounds like a true fan. I'm going to hold on to last year because Khalil Mack still exists and that offensive line is terrible. I think, so, I haven't seen him in a few weeks. Yeah, it's been a while. I think, I think you'll see him again on prime time this week. Uh, he, oh, he better. He gets that line. Yeah. Like yeah. He, he yeah it's uh, – he, he was there last week. He, I, I watched the whole game. So uh, any parting thoughts today? I'll let, uh, I'll let Jamie go first here. Any parting thoughts? Uh, just keep an eye. I just want to go right, right back to one last thing that we brought up at the very beginning of the show because I think it's important for fantasy owners going forward. Uh, the way the Brown, and Jake brought it up, the way the Browns are using Kareem Hunt is extremely significant, and he's going to be a really big factor in a lot of those easy matchups I ran through earlier in the show. He is somebody that's going to be in flex consideration every single week going forward. And if you were someone that picked him up in the middle of the season, I hope you didn't draft him and wait 10 weeks. But if you picked him up in the middle of the season like I did and only waited like three or four, uh, he's somebody that I think is going to play a significant role for fantasy owners come playoff time. And I think he helps Nick Chubb's value. 
Absolutely. I thought, I, I was, as a Nick Chubb owner in our TDN league, I was a little scared, but I really think they're going to lean on both of those guys, and I think it's going to help Chubb. And open, that's a good point because it, for him. you might look at, like the last two weeks, technically Hunt has outpointed him in fantasy and PPR, but it's the volume that matters. And the fact that they're not only take, not taking away Chubb's volume, they're actually putting them on the field and giving Chubb the ball even more. Once Chubb gets one of those like one or two touchdown games, he'll be a, he'll be a weak winner for you. The, the production is there. Yeah. Jake, any other parting thoughts on today's pod? Yeah, I, I'm glad that we can uh, hopefully move on to some football. I'm, I, I'm proud of the NFL for their putting the suspension out this fast by, what is it? It's 1245 on the East Coast right now, and that suspension has been out for, for since noon. Um, mm-hmm. the, I think they, they wanted to put it to bed as fast as possible. Hopefully we can move on to NFL football, and that includes – not talking about Colin Kaepernick, uh, who <laughs> should should completely go away this weekend as well. I think it's a really good slate of games. I'm excited about the Ravens and the Houston Texans. That game has huge playoff implications. I think it's going to be fireworks. That one's going to be a lot of fun to watch, I think. Yeah, there's a, my parting thoughts here. There's a lot of fun games here, and I am always critical of the league when they botch things. So I am pleased to, to be able to say that I am – you know, happy and proud that the league took care of business very early, did exactly what I was hoping for, which is making sure that Miles Garrett is done for the season. Totally justified in doing that. I think they send a very strong statement that that behavior is completely intolerable. Um, and like I said, most of the time I'm, I'm bitching about officials or I'm bitching about something else. So I gotta give I gotta give them props for for getting something right because they they took care of it and they took care of it early and and that will help with the news cycle that it's already been handled. Uh, last thing here, Jamie Huck and everybody follow you on social media. You can follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter and Jake. Jake B. Arians on Twitter. And you guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an I on both Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow this show at TDN Fantasy underscore on Twitter and at TDN Fantasy on Instagram. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.